Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 89. I'm Graham, I've got Luke, Cody, and Richie here, and our uh, our guest this week is actually a guy we met, uh, I don't know, I've seen, I think I, I've known your Jeep on Instagram forever, and here I am going, not introducing the guest. Uh, we got Brandon Carroll, uh, otherwise, otherwise known as Brap and Brandon, if you know him on Instagram. His Jeep's pretty sick. Um, I'll we'll definitely have you okay you are on 43s i wasn't sure what they were instagram you know you can't tell from a picture what size the tires are half the time so you got uh, some big fucking tires on the thing and uh yeah. you you did all the work yourself and the jeep's pretty pretty wild looking and yeah, having seen it in person and seen what what you've done to it just based on uh you know pictures and stuff and i know you smashed the crap out of that passenger side a couple <laughs> weeks ago or a month ago or whatever at this point so I guess just uh, what got you into it? Like, what started the spiral? Because clearly you hit a spiral. It's, it's definitely been a spiral. Um, so, probably like most people, I grew up on like fours and dirt bikes and then, you know, couldn't wait to like turn 16 and get your first vehicle. So, I, I grew up on kind of a small farm, so I always had old farm trucks and stuff that we'd take in the woods. But um, when I turned 16, I got a 91 Jeep Wrangler on 33s <clears throat> open open 30 dana 35 in the rear you know just a stock stock wrangler basically on 33 so i wheeled the crap out of that thing all through high school um and that's kind of pretty much what started my love for kind of like the off-road and off-road world and as you said it kind of spiraled, spiraled from there um i owned that jeep probably eight years and i built it up on 36s 88 rear lock front and rear and, um, like I said, just wheeled the crap out of it. Uh, sold it, kind of got out of the sport for a little little bit, a few years. And then I had some motorcycles and things like that. And then I ended up trading one of the motorcycles when I had my little girl. So I traded one of the motorcycles for the Jeep, the blue Cherokee I have now. And then just slowly started building it up on tons, and it's to where it's at now. Damn. So... Where is it at now? Oh, so you may like run through all the specs on it? Hell yeah. yeah. Okay, That's... so where it's at right now, it's got 05 and up, Super Duty, one tons, Dana 60 front, Sterling two and a half rear, um, welded carriers, front and rear, 538 gears, stock 480, actual shafts up front, stock shafts rear. It's got busted knuckle drive flanges, um, beyond precise weld on high steer. It's got the Artec uh, swap truss kit on the front axle. Um, got hydro sitch. That's going to be my next modification is sw swapping the full hydro. Um, it's got a full weldered cage, which is a cage kit from a company called Weldered. It's yep. got full frame stiffeners that I built myself. Um, let's see, it's got Corbo suspension seats, PRP harnesses, all custom mounts that I made. And then I made my little girl, she's four, I made her her own custom seat bracket that kind of did away with the rear bench and centered her seat, just the one in the back. Got her own PRP harnesses. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just the basic 4.0 AW4. It does have the Rubicon 4 to 1 transfer case in it. 
uh, custom drive shafts I built myself. So kind of see where the trend's going. It's a lot of a lot of stuff that I built myself. So yeah, keep it on the cheap. Now, so, sorry, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cody. <laughs> okay, so thank you. Um, when you when you first started, like when you first got the Jeep to the point of now, was there any steps along the way that you wish you skipped? That you honestly like you wheeled it for like a week and then just planned to go bigger. Yeah, so like when I first built the Jeep that I have now, it was on 33s when I got it, and I had a four and a half inch Rubicon Express lift on that, and that was it. It was stock other than that. So I'd actually planned originally on just building it stock axles, like 37s. I had 37s on it. I'd gotten rid of the 33s and put 37s on it. I'd planned on three linking it and keeping the stock axles at first, and then I, I stumbled upon no five plus super duties which i knew that was the axle to go to out of the junkyard axles so stumbled upon them and i was like you know what screw it i'm not even gonna waste time on the stock axles building those i just wanted something that was almost bulletproof that i could take my family out wheeling in do hardcore wheeling and not really have to worry about snapping a dana 30 shaft or anything like that you know so but whenever I first put it on tons, like I, when I say budget build, I mean like I kept the stock 373s in the axle, junkyard axles starting out. Like I welded it like that a few times, um, welded carriers, like I said before, and um, I traded, did a lot, got a lot of stuff secondhand, traded for stuff, and like when I say cheap, like I'm still <laughs> running the the brake pads that I got the junk that come with the junkyard axle. They <laughs> <laughs> still had meat on them, so I just ran them. Hey, that's fucking great. Target. Uh, so. You guys don't have as much rot there. Like, you can't. There's no way you could run brakes from a super yeah. duty that's been sitting in a yard for two months. Yeah, the axles actually came out of Florida, so that's probably why they were they were sitting out, you know, outside, but they weren't so, bad. Blasted the calipers and ran everything like it is. Nice. My axles came out of a power stroke, I believe. I'd have to ask Tyler again, but uh, they had four tens in them and everything. Mm -hmm. I had three brake calipers seized to the point where if you put pressure on them, they would not do anything. Yeah, I mean, at this uh, point, it's a yearly thing for me. One of them will seize. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I guess yeah. I just got lucky with my, my factory couch. <laughs> it's the area, too, because when yeah. I put my swap in, I was living in New England, and the Jeep would, not intentionally, but it did see salt, because, like, you know, that's yep. just a thing up there. Uh, like, when I cut off the rear axle, uh, the leaf perches, to weld on new ones... I had such deep gouges from rust under the perches, I had to go and fill them. Wow. I remember I could weld the new stuff on. So before this Cherokee, you had another Jeep that uh, seems you rolled over. You want to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, so that was the first, my first Jeep, the Wrangler, that, uh, that was my first vehicle. And like I said, I spent so much money on that thing, just kind of young and dumb, you know, and... Uh, so, I can't remember what we were doing, but we were at my buddy's shop, and we had just, I think I might have just put a lunchbox locker in the front down at 30 or something. You know, you got to go test it out, right? So, mm. he's got a little power line in his backyard at his house, so there's a there's a tree that was cut off, just a stump left. 
So I'm flexing it up on this little stump. It kept going, kept going, and eventually got to the point where it's kind of teetering and, and it just kind of rolled in his backyard. So that's that's what that was. It wasn't nothing crazy like any off-road trails. I was just in his backyard <laughs> testing out the Jeep at the locker install. Now, was that the resting spot for this Jeep? Was it just dead from that point on? No, we flipped it back over and it kept going for a while. So it was hard to kill it, but that was, that was a good going little Jeep. I flopped in a parking lot. No, so, oh, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. You know. Okay, I gotta hear that story. Yeah, okay, tell your parking lot story. Um, so we were at this thing, and it was called the Great American Jeep Rally, and they held it at, like, this dirt bike course. So, or was it the Great American? Okay, okay. First off, no, it's Go Topless Day, Munson, Massachusetts, and it's at a hill climb, which is not really a dirt. It's a motorcycle club that has a hill climb in the backyard. Go ahead, Luke. Now you can finish. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's been a little while since I did that, and you know, whatever. Um, so they've got the parking lot, and then they've got a fence that separates the parking lot from the bottom of three hill climbs. And there's just this big rock there. And, well, you know what happens when you've got a big rock in front of everyone. You've got to go and try and crawl over it. So I had this ZJ on a Dana 50 10.5 that had been, like, chopped and was a fugly bastard child nicknamed Ducky. Um, well, I got up onto it, and it kept wanting to go, but it wouldn't, like, go the full way so i kept hitting it harder and harder and um i got up onto it the belly diffed out and i had the steering wheel cut to the driver's side and it just kind of caught and spun itself off of the rock onto its side that was not my brightest moment and ended up hurting pretty good <laughs> Yeah, because you had those fucking three-point harnesses in there. Those are the stupidest things ever. What's a three-point harness? I know. It's a five-point without the side harnesses. So it's That's useless. Terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Those were terrible. Um, shortly after that, I went to PRPs and a Corbu uh, set of seats. And I bought I went through Justin Flowers is the guy's name, and I got them sized literally to like my ass and my girlfriend's ass. So the passenger seat in my Jeep is bigger than the driver's seat. <laughs> Hopefully, you'd hope so. I'm built like a triangle, so it's not because she's fat. She's like 110 pounds and five foot. So I just thought you were saying she had a big ass. But... <laughs> so um i see you pulled a uh a colin bates at hawk pride mountain you ripped the fucking knuckle dude. off well what, what happened okay. there well, that's probably that's probably the worst experience i've had off-road like one of them i would say <laughs> that was a rough day now was that because of the so you're running 1480s with 43s how many how often do you blow those things up believe it or not that was the first one i ever broke huh that was the stock shaft that came with a junkyard axle, so who knows? It might have been, a, you know, from 05 factory. I don't know. I think the, <laughs> the U-joints were probably just corroded into the axles. probably why I haven't broke one yet. But um, <laughs> So, 
I was just, you know, doing dumb shit, taking hard lines that I probably shouldn't be on, like always. <laughs> and there was a rear steer, lightweight buggy in front of me. We were on a trail, I think it's called Merlin's. And that was the first time I'd been there. So it was almost at the exit of this trail, and then it's kind of like it splits around this tree and goes two ways, where the left side is like almost a straight-up slab that's really undercut. And then the right is it's still a hard little climb, but it's the easier route. So the buggy, being rear steer, goes to the left side, climbs right up this little vertical slab. So I was like, well, shit, I'm going to try it, you know. And uh had my wife with me and my little girl on the back, like, like usual. They always go with me. And so I pull up to it, and um, so my passenger front is stuffed, so my left front is drooped out, it's flexed out real bad. So my driver's side tire undercut trying to climb up this slab my tires folded over into the rock you know and i heard it just let go so i was like shit so i knew what happened as soon as it did it so i backed out i got out and looked at it and it didn't look terrible at the time you know because it just popped the u-joint cap out yeah well like i knew i knew what would happen if i pushed it and kept going i knew it would push the ball joints out so i was like well let me just at least back and pull to the side. That way I can get to a good spot to pull the shaft and work on it, right? So as soon as I did that and got to where I could, you know, start working on it, the freaking ball joints push out. My wheel and tire and knuckle, everything just falls to the ground. And it was like, it happened so damn quick. Like, I didn't even have time to react. But it so did. It pushed the ball joints right up. Very quickly on an entirely different side note, you're the only person I know with an O5 plus without ball joint eliminators that has knocked the knuckle off. Really? So I well, I have ball joint eliminators, but they're sitting in my kitchen floor, so <laughs> Well that that's where they're most useful. I know, right? That's what they say. I said, well, do you a lot of good there, so yeah, but they're going in so but my thing is like I hate to take the Jeep down for like a, you know, a, a long period of time because then I can't go wheeling. Yep. Uh, I try to go wheeling as often as possible. So I'm just, I keep like postponing putting them in, but I just, I need to just break down and do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where until it becomes a issue that's either recurring every single trip or yeah. you blew something up real bad, right? Is it, is it worth taking it down for however long it takes to do whatever you need to do? Exactly. So after it pushed, pushed the ball joints out, you know, because the actual shaft ears bound up against each other, pushed the ball joints out. So I was like, shit, we're, you know, we're denial. Like, you know, that's not an easy fix because it literally broke the ball joints in two. Like it separated the ball from the housing and the actual ball itself. So I was like, well, I guess I really our only option because it was a pretty hard trail to get out of um, was to go to the parts store buy a new ball joint to the ball joint press and just pressing some ball joints right there on the side of the trail. So I was like, okay, I'll stay here, start pulling everything apart. So I sent my wife to the store. So she goes to auto, I think it was auto zone. And she's like, uh, you know, can I get a set of ball joints for a 2005 axle? And y'all know the story. Mm. Um, well, what vehicle is it from? Uh, is it full drive? Does it have air conditioning? You know, all the crap they ask you. So, yep. <laughs> so it, blew their, it blew their mind when I told them, when she told them, well, it's a Jeep, but it's got super duty axles in it. They just, you know, couldn't fathom that. 
Yep. Yeah, you so don't anyways, even tell them that. You just have to just tell them, right? right this is for an 04 or 05 Ford Super <laughs> Duty F250. That's and no more questions. Like you pick exactly. a motor. I, I always tell them to just you know pick your favorite motor, right? Because <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so oh, she gets sorry. the ball. She gets the ball joints that the the parts guy gives her. Right? She comes back and it's completely wrong set of ball joints. I'm like. <laughs> Anywhere near what the same asshole. Jesus. Um, and she even told me, she's like, I told this guy if he gave me the wrong parts, my husband's going to kill me when I get back. You know, so. But he did. He gave me the wrong ball joint. So I had to go all the way back. By this time, it's like evening time. It starts raining as soon as I get back. So I'm freaking pressing these ball joints in on the side of the trail in the rain, almost dark. You know, it's just, oh, it's terrible. But we ended up getting it out, pressed them in, and Got to the parking lot. So, but yeah, was, was, that was a rough day. Yeah, ball, jo- ball so, joints are never a good time. I think Colin has the ball joint press in his Jeep now because it's I do now as well. Yeah. I have one as well just because of the amount of times that Colin has blown his up. Mm-hmm. And every time I see him, he blows a set of ball joints up now. Dang, time for some bleats for him too. Huh? Yeah, well, he's got the. Right, he blows the U joints, and then, and it's always like you said, it's super fast. You go from yeah. blown U joint to ball joints pushed out of the knuckle. In I think uh, the most recent long. time was like maybe 15 yards from the obstacle. He was trying to just move it up out of the way so it was in a better spot to work on it, and it just blew the knuckle yep. right off. That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. Yep. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he also had the hub unlocked for that one too. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, that's where, like, suck, but... yeah, like, I have the drive flanges, so I have no hubs unlock or anything, you know, so, yeah. and then I'm welded up front, which, that's about to change, too, I got a Spartan locker fixing to go in it. Nice. There you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like my Spartan, um, it, the weirdest thing that you're gonna have to get used to is you'll be bombing down the trail, and it'll sound like you just blew a ring and pinion if you go into a hard turn at speed. I found that out at fifty three thirteen. Really? I was, yeah, I was like at forty five miles an hour, and it sounded like I blew a fucking ring and pinion. Mm. Uh, it just like popped and unlocked because of how much. Well, I'd also like kind of burp the tires so you know like you burp one tire and it's not at like six pounds anymore it's at like two so it's a half inch smaller than the other one and it just gets weird yeah uh, get that gorilla tape on them inner beads hey i got gorilla tape on them inner beads and them outer beads because i'm yeah. poor and run super duty steelies <laughs> right, i do what you gotta do so Tell me a little bit about Coppinger's Grove. That looks like a really fucking fun park. Where is that? Yeah, so Coppinger's Cove is really close to AOP. Um, It's in Jasper, Tennessee. It's technically not a park. It's just like privately owned land. But like locals have been riding it for years and decades, really. So there's a, a place called Trials Training Center at the bottom of this, it's basically a creek trail all the way up, but there's a place called Trials Training Center. Y'all know what a trials bike is? Like a uh, dirt bike? Yeah. So there's a place that um, they have uh, obstacles and stuff at this Trials Training Center, and they'll train you how to ride a trials bike or whatever. 
they got different trails for them, but they also have cabins. They got RV spots. They have tons of parking. So that's what that's where we're usually going to either camp or park for the day or whatever. So you pay to park, and you drive down the street a little bit, and the pavement ends. It turns to gravel, and you run right into a creek, and it opens up into this. I mean, the creek's pretty wide. So then you just follow the creek all the way up. And you kind of, it's got some different areas that kind of branch off, different creeks that branch off that you can ride up. But um, there's huge waterfalls there. There's huge caves there. There's there's some caves you can literally drive your rig down in it. Like, it's, it's really cool. Like, the scenery there is great. Yeah, there's a place I'm going to check out. Damn. Fuck yeah, it looks, yeah. it looks really, really cool. Like, looking at the pictures on your Instagram. It looks like fantastic. Like the whole entire trail just looks like a great time all the way up. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is like the scenery there is just awesome, and you're in the creek. The little ones can get out and play and splash in the water. There's not any like really crazy hard obstacles there. It's just like a good cruising around kind of place. Like I said, you got the cave. They call it an AC cave because it's so the air is so cold in there. Once you get in that cave, like it's really cool. Any crawdads in the creek on the way up? Oh yeah, there's tons. Tons of different stuff. There's huge waterfalls there. There's caves that you can kind of go caving in and walk in, walk through. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool place. I think they're actually building at the top side of it a place called Col- Colmont OHB. So they're opening up like uh, RV spots and kind of making it to like a, a off road park there. Fuck yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really excited to go to Beasley's Knob. Um, that's over a little bit closer to me, but it shouldn't be that far from you either. Um, I was told to go there, though. If you're on 40s after it rains, don't go when it's dry because you'll be bored out of your mind. Yeah, that's the only thing I've heard about that place. And it's not, like, super hard. But... No, but, like, from my understanding, it's 45 minutes from the house, so it should be about the same for you. Yeah, that's not bad, man. Um, so going back to the Jeep really quick, though, do you have mm-hmm. any regrets in the build? So, I think knowing what I know now, I'd probably just go full hydro steer- steering right off the bat. Like that's that's the only thing that I like keep having issues with is my hydro assist steering. So, if you know anything about the 05 Super Duty, it's got tons of steering angle, right? Yep. yep. But when you do the weld on high steer and you run your tie rod in the outer hole, it makes it to where you have to run a really long ram if, you know, you connect it to your tie rod, right? Mm-hmm. So, when I was setting everything up, I measured my throw and it ended up being like 10 inches. So, I needed a 10-inch ram. Well, the 10-inch the ram only comes in an inch and three-quarter bore. So when I was using my stock pump in the stock reservoir, it would just, at full extension of that big 10-inch ram, even though it's assist and everything, it would push the fluid. It would suck the fluid down so much that the, the pump would start to cavitate and everything and wind. And then when it fully compressed, it would push fluid out the reservoir. So really, the ram is almost too big for assist. Um, so, but... I went with a PSC pump. I put in a, a you know external reservoir, a bigger cooler, try to get some more capacity of fluid in it. But it's still just not really 
adequate you know it's never been like super fast steering it's kind of slow it's more powerful because a little bit bigger bore mm -hmm. but i think in hindsight i would either tried to make uh inch and a half by eight inch ram work just kind of mount it on my knuckle in the drag link hole in the rear hole yep and but in all reality i wish i just went with full hydro right off the back because that's what i'm that's gonna be my next upgrade i'm saving up for now just full hydro and don't worry about it Hopefully yeah. that that doesn't come with its new bucketed nightmares, and then your answer changes because I I hope after that whole ten inch ram bullshit, hopefully this does the trick for you. That's actually like really good to know because I was I have a I used to have ninety nine to oh four fifty, so I had the roughly eight inches of throw, so I had an eight inch ram, and it was inch and a half, and that's what I'm running on the sixty now. Yeah. Um, but I did know that they have. 10 inches of throw right so i sort of just centered it as it was and left it and i was debating whether i got a 10 inch ram and just kept kept with that but yeah, um, probably, i was like i, would, well. I not, wouldn't want to do that yeah huh. uh, yeah the, the steering angle you gain to me doesn't make up for like i said running your reservoir dry especially if you're running stock reservoir but like yeah the i to me, if you're going to want to run assist, I'd probably get an eight inch and just move it to where you mount it on the knuckle, but in the hole, you know, for the drag link. Mm -hmm. That way, you can get your radius, but still use the the smaller ram. So, on that note, something I noticed that was really interesting because I'm running an 04 axle uh, compared to the 05 plus that Jonathan from Trail Trash is running. I actually ended up having a better turning radius than they have uh, between the male Manchi and the uh, green Jeep that John wheels. And yeah. he's got an 8-inch ram on there. I wonder if there's something mathematical that is different as far as when you're getting into like Ackerman angle and all of that weird stuff that yeah. actually causes my eight inch ram to throw more or if it has to do more with the fact that he's got the spacers in the rear so the drag or what is it um the scrub angle is different i'd say probably probably more like what you referenced to at first like once you put the weld on high steer it pushes your tie rod hole out so far and ideally to to match perfectly with assist you want the distance between your steering sector shaft on your on your steering box and but, but the distance between that sector shaft and their pitman arm you want that equal to your ball joint pivot point to your uh drag length hole and that gives you that matches your steering perfectly but whenever you put that tie rod out in the outer hole you have to compensate for that because you know has to be out that far to clear the diff cover with that kind of steering radius mm -hmm. so if you just do an eight inch it's not going to turn as far if you mount it to the tie rod if you mount it like in the drag link link hole and it'll work a little bit better you get a little more turning radius hmm. so that would actually kind of make sense because i'm running a slim um like 99 to 16 cover from mm -hmm. rough stuff with my mount welded to the um the diff cover 
And due to the fact that I think that the ball joint radius and the radius of the Pittman arm are really similar, I think it's like within three quarters of an inch, I bet you that that's probably the answer. Yeah, I'd say probably so. But yeah, that's that's how mine's mounted too, off a of diff cover to the top of it. But like I said, I've got good steering, you know, turning radius just because I utilize that 10-inch ram, but it has its flaws in the other areas, you know, so... It does. Um, and I've got a 1.5 by 2 and a quarter RAM set up on mine. Mm -hmm. And it's an 8-inch. I don't run into the same issues except for when I am trying to turn. If it is very bound up and the nose is, like, very far in the air. Um, oh, what was that? Like it, like it's like it's hard to turn. Is that your issue? Yeah, it gets really hard to turn, but only if I have the Jeep past a say thirty-seven degree angle or forty degree angle. So, like where I'm basically facing vertically up, it starts no, to be it. a real issue. Otherwise, it's good below 35 miles an hour. After 35 miles an hour, I feel like my steering gets slow. Yeah, that's, that's what mine does. Like, it just, especially a low RPM. Like, if I'm, like, you know, just at idle, you know, trying to turn. Like, if I'm cruising down a trail and I let off the gas and I want to try to turn, it's kind of fights me a little bit. Like, it's not quick at all. I All right. Just so, because of the bigger ram, your issue—it almost seems like it might be starving for fluid, maybe at a at a big incline or something. Yeah, it's definitely starving for fluid at a big incline. Um, but I just—I'm not at a point where that is a big enough issue for me to be overly concerned about, because, um, I set it where it gets to the low point in the ram. I set it at the halfway stick or halfway point on the dipstick that uh, the factory pump has. And I just don't want to go any more into it than that at the moment because it kind of works still. Yeah. Have you ever, have you heard of a company called Radio Dynamics? Uh, yep. Yeah. I saw quite a bit from them. I just, yeah. So that dude, I guess who owns the company or whatever, like he's like really knowledgeable when it comes to all kinds of steering stuff. But I read something like an article or something he put out on his Facebook page the other day about um, reservoirs and their fluid capacity and stuff like that. And when it when it everything's at temp, that your you know power steering fluid will actually heat up and increase your in volume. Okay. So. I think he said he did the calculations or whatever, but it's like one inch below the reservoir cap or something like that. So what I've always done is turn the tires whichever way will make the ram fully collapse. Fill up the reservoir until you maybe have like an inch left to the cap and then call it good. That's good to know. Or not bullets really yeah, that way that way it's pushing all the fluid as much up into the reservoir as it ever will. You know, but you still leave, leave a little bit of room for growth whenever that fluid expands. Yeah, that's uh, totally polar opposite of what I've been doing. So that's, <laughs> I'll give that a shot. Because I was going to the lowest point in the reservoir and filling it up to the 50% mark. 
So, well, I'll have to give that a shot and see if it improves my turning radius a little bit. Or yeah. not turning radius, but uh, turning performance when I get the nose up. All this talk about hydro assist and such is making me think about my pump, which has been whining more than usual. Can't wait for it. It's going to probably die on me, and then I'm going to be screwed. So yeah, that's probably swap a, that's it. A I had I had so many people ask me because I, I ran a WJ pump for a little bit and it whined like crazy. And yep. People ask, man, that thing's supercharged. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I read. Yeah. They are noisy. They're definitely noisier. I don't know if it's just the shitty remands or or what the deal is, but um, I'm not sure. But I'm, I modded that thing, did all the you know stretch the spring, drilled out the orifice, put the washer in it, and modded it, and all that stuff, but. So it's going to be I'm okay, up, but I had the issue out of that reservoir, you know, spilling over. Yeah, that's sort of what I'm dealing with. I, I, I don't know if it spills over. It probably does a little of both. I think it partially leaks, partially spills over when it overpressures, and who knows? It's it's a mess. Part of my issue comes down to I only did the 530 seconds drill bit mod, and mm. I don't want to go past that because. The steering works really well if I get it up to like 1500 RPMs, which I drive a manual, so it's not that big of a deal for me to just hit the clutch and, you know, rev it up a little bit and move the steering. Yeah. I don't know how well, that... You shouldn't have to. That's the whole up. point of assist, right? Is so you can sort of power through stuff. Yeah, that's true. I disagree, though, because... When I had the 35s with the manual steering, um, you know, I could have it at 3,000 RPMs, and it was still terrible. Yeah. Whereas with my, you know, okay, cool, I have to hit the clutch and rev it up to 2,000 RPMs to steer. <laughs> well, like, fuck, man, I'm already hitting the clutch because I'm not moving anywhere. It's fine by me. Yeah, I guess it's been a while since I've had to wheel something without hydro assist, so my judgment yeah. is clouded. We're going to need Cody or Richie to chime in on that one. I, I don't have a clue. I actually don't have an issue. Do you well, have... when you're on the greens, you know, it's real hard to have issues. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Honestly, I didn't have m many issues until recently. Uh, then again, it's probably because my pump is, like, blowing up as we speak. But at this point, I'm just so fucking tired of it. Like, any minor inconvenience with steering at this point is just bullshit because now I'm just making the trail fucking harder than it has to be. So. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I, I think I've been pretty fortunate from the get-go where other than the very first time that I went out with the Jeep and I didn't have my uh my extra cooler on, uh, I, I haven't had any issues. I'm huh? going to throw it back to, you remember that Mobel trip where Ethan Clayton did the wheelie and we kind of sort of just wheeled past everyone? Yeah. Uh, you were having massive issues with your steering and I had helped you put the cooler in about a month before that. Was I? Yeah, it was your front locker because it was a really dry day. So oh, you were yeah. fighting when we got into, like, Diff Dragger and the other obstacles up there towards the rear of the trail. Um, yep. I don't know if it was a heat issue or what, but your Jeep was definitely struggling with it. And then after we sat and 
chilled at the top, and I think that was the week that we spotted Mark up as well. Um, yeah. But I, I will say, that day, my Jeep was also just running really hot that whole day, too. That might have been a factor, too. <laughs> Surprisingly, I... Even though I haven't put the e-fan in, I'm still running like 215 at the hottest. So my Jeep seems like it's fairly happy and it was 95 degrees out. I'm not going to complain about that. No, I can't so my, beat my, that. Jeep, my, my Jeep gets over 210 just sitting at a drive through Well, that's normal. <laughs> 210 is uh, where it's supposed to sit, technically. So Yeah, but 215 mud bogging is not that bad. Well, the mud's cooling your engine down, duh. <laughs> cool. that oil oh, I'm pan. sorry, I, I totally missed that memo. <laughs> With all my uh, my coolant issues I've had, I get paranoid every time my Jeep gets over 200. Oh my god. <laughs> I do, I think I have a fucking hole in my radiator. <laughs> yeah, well, also we're talking about the person that's blown up four fucking radiators in, like, what was it, less than six months? Yeah. Mm. At this point, just solid mount the engine so it stops killing them. <laughs> what? What with the motor moving every time? That only happened twice. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about uh, Etna Mountain because I was, I, you know, this whole time I've been kind of scrolling through Instagram and like stalking you a little bit, and yeah. uh, that's a pretty, pretty interesting rock style. I don't think that's like granite or anything, right? Or what is that? I don't know exactly like what the rock type is, but it's like a lot of like red clay and red clay ruts. So it's basically like just a bunch of power lines running across this mountain. And it got deemed as technically like a county road up there, but a bunch of developers have come in now and are developing and putting building houses and stuff all up the mountain. So it's pretty much technically shut down now. But that's kind of like where I really cut my teeth off-roading was at in the mountain. Because when I had my first Wrangler, that's where we would go. Like, we lived up there on the weekends. Like, every weekend we're up there wheeling all that in the mountain. Um, there's a, it's called the Peanut Butter Hole. It's probably like the most famous, I guess, obstacle there. So Isn't it's basically that where, uh, what's his name? Uh, not John. Casey rolled his yes. Jeep. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he rode it on Edna. Wow. Yeah, but it's uh, it was just super close. Like it was literally like thirty minutes from the house growing up. So we were there every single weekend, um, wheeling up there. You know, it's, I mean, good good wheeling up there too. You know, but um, so there's a there's a place called We Rock. It was like a, a they leased a portion of the mountain on the bottom. And uh, they built a pavilion, bathroom, showers. They had concerts out there. And um, they had different camp spots. So I, I had a camper and a camp spot up there. I'd leave my Jeep there. I'd literally drive there, hop in the Jeep, ride the mountain, come back down, you know. So so it was, it was, it was a fun place for sure while it lasted. But unfortunately, it's shut down now. Now, Damn. wasn't that also one of the places that birthed rock bouncing? Yeah, dude, like... There was so many rock bouncers, and they you, they have like a Etna Cut Swamper tire, you know, like Etna Cut is is kind of like a style of cut, so groove in the tires, you know. So 
But yeah, it's, there's, there's a horsepower hill, Balls Hill there. They're two famous hills. There used to be tons of rock monsters there. Sort of like um, cab trucks, things like that. Like old school cab trucks will be up there a lot. And yeah, man, so, you know awesome. that Sam is gonna like absolutely crucify me for this, but correct me if I'm wrong. The Etna Cut is a TSL where every other lug is partially shaved. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know I'm wrong, and Sam is gonna end up like yelling at me about this, but whatever. <laughs> It's all good. There's there's so many of them. There's like a Tennessee cut, a Etna cut. Yeah. yeah. And I, I might end up hearing from Dwight too. Because, you yeah. know, Dwight hasn't bullied me enough about while well, he's on jack stands. You know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just... I mean, I guess, I guess cut swampers or whatever are, are good on high horsepower stuff but to me like your rock traction suffers you know because you don't have as much contact on the rocks but yeah it's I more just you're... digging right you're just yeah i think you're right because there have been a couple of instances where my uncut nettos have done just as well as cut stickies yeah but... dude nettos for a dot tire man nettos are hard to beat We'll get into that later, because I'm sure he's going <laughs> to ask the question. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so, did you have any issues with the welder D-cage, or did it kind of just work out? It's not a welder D-cage. Weldered cage, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, it yeah, is. No, no issues whatsoever, man. That was uh, those guys are doing it right over there, man. That cage it went together very smoothly. And before I bought it, like I have a JD uh, squared Model Three bender, but I only have a one inch die for it. That's what came with it when I got it. So I never bought a you know inch and three quarter die or whatever. But I was going to. I was going to buy the die and buy the tube and bend it all myself. You know, build a cage. But I found the Welder D cage kit, or Weldered, whatever, and um, it was exactly what I wanted to do, the hybrid cage, right? And the, for the price at that time, it was just like, for the materials and what I would have paid for the die and all the labor I would have into it, it just made sense to buy the cage kit. But yeah, it, it fit together really well. Every, you know, and it's a complete cage as well, you know, with all the triangulation in the correct spots, so kind of so, no-brainer does it have uh, triangulation behind the pass or behind the driver and passenger seats up front? Because that was yep. my main complaint about the XO Fab cage is yeah. it does not do that. Right. Yeah, and I was the same way there. Like to me, the XO Fab is almost like an incomplete cage. Like you have to add to it to get the triangulation you want. But yeah, the weldered cage, it's uh. <clears throat> It's got all the correct nodes and triangulation behind the driver passenger and behind the bench seat and on the roof. It's got all the triangulation and, like I said, proper nodes everywhere. So I'm going to drag this off into the weeds, but do you have mm -hmm. the uh, Corbu Baja SS Fat Boys or what seats do you have? Because that was a major problem I ran into. 
and part of the reason I hate internals when I did my cage build. So even though I am a fat boy, I just got the regular wides. No, <laughs> no fat boy wides here, but I, they still fit good. But so I have a set of the fat boys. Um, yeah. I thought you because said you had a skinny ass. I yeah, do have a skinny ass, but <laughs> I ordered the they're the wides that come up and like um, the it's like a bowl. It's like you're sitting in a bowl of soup. I'm sat in yeah, thing. you're almost sitting <laughs> in a bowl. Um, your sh or your armrests are at like a 45 degree angle, basically from the top of the seat down. So I ran into major issues with fitting around the center console, and then my doors, surprisingly. So did you bolt them to the factory slider? No, I actually have mounts that are welded into the. Uh, the slider supports and the unibody at the trans tunnel to mount my seats and I mounted them lower than factory uh, in order and I put them at an angle on the driver's seat and kind of the passenger seat a little bit but just to be able to comfortably fit with my long arms and my weird legs uh, under the steering wheel Otherwise, I could not get them to be at a comfortable position unless I angled them back. and Or I would be too close to the roof if I didn't angle them back. Yeah, I got you. That's kind of what I did. I did, you know, uh, custom mounts for my seats as well. Just like you said, kind of put them in the position that fits me best. Yeah, it was a bitch. Um, I did put sliders in mine, so I had a set of ZJ sliders that I cut down, and basically in the rear, um, there's about a half inch of tube, or not a half inch of tube, I'm sorry, a half inch of angle iron that goes to the seat mount. And then up front, I've got about three quarters of an inch of... Uh, to or welded onto the tube basically in order to get them to sit where i wanted them to sit and then i put the slider in there because the original intent was to make it so that my girlfriend could wheel it and being a manual she doesn't like driving it but i've got sliders on both seats now to make it a little bit more comfortable for a driver and passenger and yeah, but when was the and have you ever used the slider? Um, the only time the slider's actually been used, I think the two people in chat besides I, yourself uh -huh. um, have done it. <laughs> I was gonna say I know for a fact I've slid his seat backwards a hundred and ten percent. No, I have to go forward. I have to go. That's probably part of me. Yeah, forward. The one time I did drive it, I didn't adjust it. I remember that, and I'm short, so <laughs> I can barely reach the pedals. We're going with the stupid thing. It was a. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm close enough to height with you, Luke, that I just say fuck it and leave it. No, you have definitely slid that seat around. Oh, no, I have slid the seat around to fuck with you. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Right, now, well, see, for me to feel really comfortable driving a manual, because I, I, you know, I'm a little pussy boy with an automatic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, we can change yeah, that. No, but everybody gives me <laughs> shit for it. Like, I... I personally enjoy, you know, I enjoy my automatic, 
but for me to feel super comfortable driving a like standard transmission crawler like i need to be able to fully touch the pe like the floor and still have my knee bent so yeah sorry that i'm a little bit shorter than you luke but yeah you're absolutely right i did no, have to i'm not uh, taking any dude there's a reason there's sliders in those seats <laughs> like um the clutch doesn't generally yeah. have to go all the way to the ground you know cody yeah, no, but, but like, it's came in clutch when uh you remember when Jordan <laughs> drove it? Was pun intended there or was that not intended? Pun was intended there, but Jordan <laughs> drove it with the manual in it. Mm-hmm. So like she's definitely not my height. No. Yeah, she's five I got a question for y'all. So all this manual talk, I need y'all to justify to me why why the manuals? I've got Ooh. a very simple answer. It is a ton of fun, and there is nothing that will ever replace loading that thing up to like 4,800 RPMs right when you're starting to hear the rev limiter barely kicking in and just popping your foot off of the clutch pedal. Okay, I, I can dig that. But I got a neutral too, so... Yeah, you got a neutral. Yeah, but a neutral I know neutral drop isn't planet. the same. It's not the same. <laughs> it's cooler, right? It's way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it's only cooler simply for the fact of like everybody knows you're not supposed to be doing it, and that's yeah. the only reason that it's cooler. Yeah, and then um, on the descents, it's really nice to just grab second or grab first and not have to hit the brake pedal and not deal with the the way my Jeep reacts when I hit the brakes is it kind of pushes the rear axle up a little bit and it kind of sucks the front axle down. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm going down something and I just leave it in first and drive with the throttle, I really like that feeling. Yeah. Does um, now I haven't actually wheeled something that has a ton of gearing in an automatic. Does it actually, if you're going down a hill, how much brake do you actually have to use? Oh, uh, so. I've got a ton, but have y'all heard of like, uh, it's called a nifty shifter. Yep. So I have one of those in my Jeep. So basically if I slam it all the way down in one, two with the nifty shifter turned on that holds in first gear. So I can sit there and bounce off the limiter in first gear all day long Yep. until, until I shift it up. Then it'll go to second. I shift it up again. It'll go to third. So I can control whatever I gear I'm in. And with that, since I can hold it in first, that allows me to have a lot of engine braking. Plus, plus what the Rubicon transfer case does help a lot. Yeah. And that's why I said, you know, it, I, it's probably less applicable with more gearing because I know that definitely helps the transmission out a ton as far as holding yeah. you back. But I just wasn't sure how, how much of a difference there was, uh, you know, between that. Because really, I mean, like Lou said, that's that's been what I like about the, the manual on especially on downhills and stuff, is you can pick your speed. Like, it's not going to... It's never going to run away from you like an automatic technically could, right? Because even if you have it in first gear, it's just a fluid coupling, right? You're not you're not actually stopping anything, right? Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's... I think it's, it's just been... It's just more fun. It's easier to suck at it, which is cool, right? It, it just kind of <laughs> like... It adds it a little bit of spice to it. Um, just now, what what kind of gear? And aren't you running a doubler with yours? 
Yeah, I've got a 231 or an eco box, so it's technically a 231 and a 205. So I, what is it, 272 plus 2 to 1? Yeah, basically 5.4 to 1. Yeah, something like that. So I think that's, to me, I think that's that's the way if I ever did have something that was a manual is to have a ton of gearing that way you're not on the clutch a lot. So, but if I did do anything other with my transfer case, that's the way I'd want to go. Northwest fab doubler box with a 205 twin stick. I mean, pretty much a bulletproof four speed case. You can't beat it. It's a beast to take in and out of the thing, but, uh, you know, it does the job and I, I, I'm not worried about it exploding. So that's always nice. Yeah. yeah, and then another bone that I'm going to throw in the manual camp is when I do end up going LS, because eventually it's just going to happen, um, the transmission that I'm going with has a 6.5 to 1 first gear ratio. So going from 6.5 to 1 to a 240 or 241 with a 272 gear ratio, it still ends up at 101 crawl ratio. What transmission is that? V4500 out of a... I think it was 91 through... I want to say 04, Chevy? Yeah. Gas job? Yeah, that's a pretty bulletproof transmission. Yeah, that's going to honestly be more costly to me than the motor. But, on the other hand, I would rather get my gear ratio from that and not have to care about it as much. The transfer case is very cheap to put behind it at the moment. Damn, you got me thinking. I have the NV4500. Yeah, and if it's a Dodge one, it's going to be... It's the combination. uh, It's the the ideal Dodge and Chevy gears. Yeah, so that should have a 6.5 to 1 first. Versus, Uh, what's an AX15s? 383. Holy crap. So essentially I'm doubling my crawl ratio in first and my second becomes my first for when I want to send stuff if I go that route. Um, And that is something that I cannot get out of a TH400 or a TH350. I mean, even the AW4, you've got a 283 to one first. But the torque converter essentially doubles it, so you end up closer to like a 5.1. But then the NV4500 is still lower, and I would rather keep my manual because it's what I'm comfortable with. And I do enjoy the uh, factor of putting on a show. Talking LS swap soon, or? You know, dude, to be honest with you, I just. At this point, I can't say. As much as I want to be like, hell yeah, um, I need hydro. I need bead locks. You need other you things need, before you need computer parts. Yeah, I need computer parts. And, like, I'm also into competitive shooting, so I've got all those things currently stacked. And you've been talking uh, about getting into airsoft. So, yeah, expensive hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> no. Airsoft is a cheap hobby. You're talking about a fourteen hundred dollar gun. Cheap? Like, oh wow. Oh, what about the uh, what about the night vision that you've been talking about getting? Or <laughs> well, that goes under the gun category, so it can stay in the gun expenses. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, basically the helmet setup I'm looking at is like $4,800 in just vision setup. Yeah, it's so, for night right? You don't need fancy lights if you have a fancy helmet. Dude, dude oh. I tell you what. That is going to be a trip, and we're going to have to try that. <laughs> well, God, talk about the... Yeah, the real trail ninja is fucking Luke with his NVGs on in his rig. No lights. It, like, Wait, actually, no, because if you... If, if you he's going Nightwheeling, the you... NVGs go on. <laughs> no, 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 sorry, I misworded that. The NVGs stay on during Nightwheeling. <laughs> in what? It'll make Dwight's beatdowns a lot more entertaining because... They're gonna be glowing bright red in the thermal. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea for a night run. Everybody just get night vision goggles, kill you lots, and, and get a night run. <laughs> oh my God. Someone's getting a run over as they're taking a piss. <laughs> that would be absolutely amazing. It would be tragic, oh, shit. but uh, it, it, would, it would be uh, well, I, maybe funny I 20 years the, later. The night vision. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but, yeah i do have other expensive hobbies that are currently like not helping with the wheeling stuff and with how my jeep has been performing um there's a short list and a long list of modifications and the short list is like limit straps belly pan uh and the long list is like cut the nose off behind the motor or before <laughs> the motor mounts and just like everything goes so, you know, I'm yeah. kind of balancing everything at the moment. And you get to balance uh, how long it's down, too, right? Like like we were talking about earlier. You could do all yeah. that, but how long, how many months are you going to be out? Not only that, but, like, I like Sam a lot, and Sam would probably be the person that I would go to to help me with that. But, you know, even... If it's the two of us working on it while I'm paying him, you're talking about, like, for cutting the nose off, LS swapping it, and, you know, that's assuming, like, I lean on Bart to help me with the getting the VATS delete and all of that other stuff going. You're still talking three to four months of missing wheeling when I want to go and hit Beasley's knob in the rain. I want to go to Windrock as much as, like, I talk shit about that park. I still want to go there and experience it. Have um, you never been there? I have not yet. He's, uh, he's never even gone. Yeah, you definitely gotta go. I've it's... been told that, but on the other hand, like, I've also been told that part of the problem is you can break down four hours into the park. And you're talking about a four-hour trip out and a four-hour trip back, so Wait, you're like eight hours for a breakdown. That's weird. I didn't take you for a pussy, Luke. Crazy. <laughs> sounds you like a fucking so adventure, dude. Yeah. <laughs> now, that sounds like a mess, but I think that is a part of the uh, the adventure of it, is that that can happen. Yeah, I'm man. Sounds gonna... like a normal wheeling trip for me. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree too much, but on the other hand, at AOP, you're 40 minutes from the truck and trailer at the worst, and you can get into, from my understanding, far more worse stuff out of the parking lot than driving two hours in, hitting a really bad trail, blowing the Jeep up. I don't and... know. I thought the whole point of, you know, the whole benefit to wheeling in in the south is the parks are bigger right it sounds like you just want abusement parks which is you know we got plenty of those up in new england 
I do enjoy the amusement park, and that is the New Englander coming out of me. So, you can, like, make fun of it all you want. I don't really have a good defense, other than I do enjoy the abusement parks. No, I get it. I mean, that's why I love ALP, too, because you're so close. And there's so many gnarly trails, like, super close to your charger trailer. But Windrock, yeah, you can get into those type of things only if you go out that far to those trails. But there's a ton of trails that are relatively close to the parking lot. That like Rattle, Rattle Rock, Trail 15, all those all those are really close. I also do really enjoy, uh, you know, I wouldn't, if we were talking about a year ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I enjoy the anything goes attitude at AOP. Uh, yeah. Especially in regards to the night wheeling, like what is it, a 2 a.m. cut off for that? That's crazy no. to me. Windrock's wide open. You can ride 24 hours there. You just can't drink on the trails. So late, which doesn't really matter to me. I don't really drink. But, like, they have, a, like, a, a guard that checks you, checks to make sure you got your permit. They'll check your coolers before you even hit the trails. But, yep. yeah, yeah, you can you can ride. It's 24 hours at Windrock. That's it. I had been told it was 12 hours. It was from, like, 9 to 9. No, I've, I've literally been on the trails. Well, we were on the bleeping Jeep fan ride, and we were out to like 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> hmm. So, you know, you've been in the area a lot longer, and I realize that I should be asking this question more, especially when we're getting someone that's like local to me. What's your favorite park to go to? AOP. Hands down. I just love AOP, man. Like I just said... It's just such gnarly trails, and there's so many of them. And I'm, I like hardcore rock crawling. Like that's what I love to do when I go off road. And I don't like trail riding that much. I don't like any kind of mud. If I can avoid it, I will. I just like to beat my shit to death on some hardcore rock obstacles. And I like I like probably putting my jeep where it shouldn't go. You know, trying new trails, trying harder trails each time we go. So those are the plus, so, yeah, yeah. Plus, it's an hour away from the house, so it's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, but. I totally get that. Um, as far as my wheeling experiences in the south, it's like fifty three thirteen. Um, I've ran some local. I'm not gonna even call them trails, but I'm gonna. They're like fire roads that you know, have been, I've been told that they were badass. They're not badass. Like, <laughs> I was ripping 35 miles an hour through them. Um, but AOP hands down is the best park in the area to me because it's an hour and 10 hour, depending on traffic, hour and 30 away from the house. Um, the wheeling is sick, like, and I've dipped my toes into, I think it's Trail 41, George Winters, uh, Mouthwash. You hit Mouthwash? I hit half a Mouthwash. Uh, Trail Trash has a video of me going through Mouth, or the entrance to Mouthwash at the gatekeeper. gatekeeper. Yeah. Um, Mouthwash is a pretty gnarly trail. It's pretty damn good. Um, I blew a fuel pump halfway through it, which is just a running joke at this point. It's not even like 
I can't take it seriously anymore because we're on fuel pump number three in less than three months. Uh, yeah, don't buy a moto belt, Sal. Yeah, I've got an RCI. I just haven't put it in. I've got the factory tank strapped down in the back hatch. Can't I'm going to be honest with you. That is probably a better setup than the moto built cell. Mm -hmm. Like I wish I had my factory tank to go back to at this point. Um, I have, I have, I'll try my two by four every once in a while, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do not oh, make that suggestion, Brandon, because I will take you up on that. <laughs> Dude, you're the, probably the first person I've heard that don't like their motor built cell. I thought that was the way to go. That's, I have you'd you'd think so. We've had <laughs> multiple conversations about how shitty that is for a Cherokee. Uh, and just ugh. I mean, so they, they I have for my... TJs. You have to use the TJ pump. That's the yeah. That's that that's the uh, I got you. I got you. Um, but I have had two days at AOP just cut short because I've blown a fuel pump in half. Um. <laughs> The TJ fuel pump is about an inch and a half longer, so it actually sits against the bottom of the tank, and you can't blow the bottom off of it. And mm. I tried to get a TJ fuel pump, but they did not have one in stock, so I ended up putting in, I forget if it's a 96 or an 01 fuel pump, but it's got three metal rods running through the center of it that like hold the base plate on the plastic style ones are terrible they blow the plastic lower assembly off and i actually had one go so far as to unplug the electrical connections um. and like to me that's kind of terrifying because you know you've got gasoline and airspace and then electrical connections. I'm so thankful it didn't spark when it pulled apart. Yeah, that's never a good combination. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you know about how the TJ pump goes, but otherwise I would rather go with an RCI with something like a Walbro. I think it's 255 pump. Yeah. 10 out of 10 would rather do that and regret every cent that I spent on this moto-built fuel cell. In addition, you've got to deal with the fact that the filler is shitty. The rollover valve is okay, but like on a Cherokee, you can only route it so many ways. And meh, I just ended up pulling the fucking uh, line I had on there off. It doesn't vent too bad, but... It's you can spend your money far better than Motobelt. I would rather have an RCI cell with a separate out of tank fuel pump. Yeah, those Motobelt cells aren't cheap either. No, dude, I spent um, I think it was four hundred bucks between the mount, the uh, cell, and then the factory Cherokee and TJ mounting setup. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help, but my Jeep, I have the cell mounted as far back, basically, as I can have it to try and get some weight over the ass end to help the coilovers a little more. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's having, like, a lever effect when the rear end bottoms out because of how much further past the rear end it is. It's, like, 
right up against the hatch. I got you. So it kind of unloads it whenever. Yeah, every time I hit something going fast, I feel like I'm putting more stress on the fuel pump because of how much it's, you know, 10, 12 inches behind the rear axle. Yeah. So, I guess that brings up another interesting question. Wow, I wish that I could English today, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> I see you have leaf springs in the back of your Jeep. Are you planning on keeping them? Leaf springs for poor people, man. That's where it's at. But, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't plan on keeping them. But, dude, they're just so damn simple, and they just flat out work, man. And I think what makes them work so good is the Iron Man adjustable shackles. Like, once I put those on... It softened up the ride. It gave me a lot more flex. Uh, leaf springs just made them work a lot better. So, I don't know. It's just one of the things where it's kind of low on the priority because I got the stretch I want with flipping the springs. And plus, I've got the uh, Rough Stuff Anti-Wrap plus two perches all the way back. So, I think it's like eight and a half, eight and a half inches stretch in the rear. But, I mean, they just, I don't know, man. I know a lot of people hate on them, but they work for me, so. What's your wheel yeah. at? Uh, I think, like, 112, 113, depends on what side you measure, but. Hmm. So, another little spicy bit that I'm going to throw in. Uh, I don't know if you heard what Trail Trash is planning on doing, but uh, would you be willing to submit your rig to them for a uh, review? For sure, man, for sure. That could get zesty. Um, yeah, man, I've been, I've been down for that. Now, going well, back to the field base thing real quick. That's kind of yeah. interesting. It's a little short for a southern rig. I, I think 115 is probably what I'll shoot for. Once I go full hydro, and I can push the front end out a little bit more. But the rear, I like where it's at. My departure angle is, is good. Like, like the shackles hang past the back side of the tire just barely. So my departure angle is good. I don't have a rear bumper, so don't, nothing to worry about there. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, it's, I feel like it's a pretty good wheelbase for where it's at now. And especially like Carpenter's Cove, like I was telling you about, there's a lot of tight trails there once you get out of the creek bed into the woods. So, but so, I'll probably see it for around 115 once I finalize it. I'm not throwing shade, but it's interesting hearing that when we talk to the Praetors, where if I remember right, we're talking like 117 to 120. Does that sound correct, Graham? Yeah. It seems a little long, but I don't know. I know that they're running like fucking rock rods and they I'm not complaining because they do fucking cool shit with them but it's just weird because I'm sitting at like 109.5 on mine and I feel like my wheelbase is really short for wheeling in the south nah I mean maybe for the south I don't know that I'm at 108 and I'm fine like never I, I don't think I'd want it any longer at least right now, I've not hit something that the wheelbase was ever a problem with, at least in New England. I've ran yeah. into a couple of times where I've been like, man, 
I feel like the nose is really coming up on this obstacle. But other than that, you know, and I can't say that, like, with the 109, you know, maybe eight inches of stretch would help with that. But I don't know if I want to do eight inches of stretch on my Jeep as it sits. No, I it's don't already think do. long as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I was on. Before I flipped my leaf springs around, I just had the rough stuff perches, which gave me like three inch stretch in the rear. I think it was. I was at like 107 and a half, 108. And while I was on tons, I was on 40s at the time. But I was kind of like you. My front end on steep climbs would feel a little bit light. But once I went to the 43s, flipped the springs, stretched it out, it helped tremendously like it doesn't feel light in the in the front end at all anymore on real steep climbs and i think pushing my front axle out just those few more inches to get to 115 i, I feel like that's pretty much like the perfect wheelbase you're not bellying out on the time you know it's it's not a rock mount so you know i don't need a 130 inch wheelbase to climb hills and shit you know yep mm-hmm. i do um i don't know though because like how do i put this I'm a real suspension, or I'm a suspension nerd. So I built everything to be at a certain set of specs, and I hit them where I wanted to hit them. But when I hit the limits of my front or rear suspension, I know that, like, I've crossed that boundary. And until I cross that boundary, uh, there have been times where, like, Graham, Cody... Trail Trash have said that it looked really unstable outside, but in the mm-hmm. cabin it feels really comfortable. And my rig feels really, really comfortable until right before it pulls a tire. And when it goes to pull the tire, that's when it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I, I wouldn't say, like, I did research it because I built my own three link and everything up front. Like, I, I cut a hole in my passenger front floorboard for the upper link to pass through it and you know to get the correct vertical separation for the front three links so it works really good on that aspect but are you running a kit or did you build your own or? it's all uh it's all home built basically yeah. what are you running for separation i think i'm at like 10 inches on axle side vertical separation and frame side is like seven and a half i think Damn, yeah i'm running seven five up front with eleven five at the axle so that's pretty comparable uh yeah. where i've ran into some weirdness is apparently i can't build a suspension with balanced links um my lowers are 33 and a half or 34 and a half i'm sorry and my upper is 40 on the money and then in the rear i That's have way different what the hell yeah in the rear i have 41 with 32 on the lowers um but my pinions stay pointed at the transfer case throughout the entire length of travel yeah, that's, that's the way I set my front end up, too. Granted, I'm only an inch longer on my upper, but it's basically actually the same where it stays pointed at the transfer case. I do think that the uh, differential in length is part of what plays into my rig's feeling of stability until it 
uh, reaches the limit of the suspension travel and the loaded suspension weight. Yeah, as possible. You get past what? that, it really gets light. Like, so earlier in the episode, I was complaining about when I get the nose up. If I have mm-hmm. a tire hanging there, though, my suspension is like, use your pinky and drive the Jeep. <laughs> it gets stupid light. And then in the rear, um, it stays really loaded. Until it just drops the axle out. I got you. What kind of spring race are you running on your real coilovers? I'm running 140 over 225 with a heavy valve stack. And you're still coil sprung up front, right? I'm still coil sprung up front. Um, I'm running Clayton, I think they're 180 uh, coils flat rates up front with a set of Bilstein 5100 Super Duty spr- or, uh, rear shocks, which are, I forget what the valving is off the top of my head, but they're pretty heavily valved. Yeah, those are probably pretty stiff, I'd say. You would think that, but it's not stiff in the way it behaves. Mm. Probably the only thing keeping his Jeeps like sturdy at this point is those heavy springs. Because they're about- <laughs> Well, no, just I'm just saying that based off of his explanation of how it like originally felt kind of floppy, where I'm sure it'd be even worse without the sway bars and shit like that. Nah, I got you. I think that a rear sway bar would probably be one of the better things I could do to the Jeep, um, just to get a little bit of control over what the rear is doing. Yeah. Although. You know, Cody, I'm kind of surprised by you at the moment. Why is that? You haven't asked the question. Well, because, I mean, what am I going to do? Just be like you and just cut in mid-conversation and just trail off on something else? No, I was like, you guys yeah, do thing, you know? <laughs> well, all right, I might as well hop in here and uh, throw this one out there. So, what is your favorite tire and what's your... Go ahead, Graham. You can word it how you want to. Most hated, worst tire that you your, don't like. Your, or, oh, God. Now you put me go on the spot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is your favorite tire, and least favorite tire? tire. Okay, go. so just based on my experience now, like only the tires that I've ran is what I could comment on. I'm not going to be like everybody else and comment on a tire I've never ran before. Like, <laughs> Everybody hates on trips, but probably half the people hating on them have never r- actually ran them, you know? Mob so, mentality is a thing. Yeah. So, favorite tire, especially in the Southeast, hands down, 43-inch Super Swamper TSL SX. Now, in a sticky version, I'd say it'd probably be the best. I'm not running the sticky version, unfortunately. That'll be the next tire I do go to. But even in the bias ply, 43 SXs, the clearance that gives me under my disc with the one tons just is is awesome because I, w- I went from bald reds to some 40 inch coopers and then i went for the 43s and just just the clearance and the difference there it gave me under my disc worked really well plus they're super tough oh, like what psi are you running them at I usually do, depending on where I'm at, like a place like Carpenter's Cove where it's super rocky. It's like you're riding on freaking bowling balls the whole time, right? So I usually do like 
four to five psi there and i'll usually do like five up five up front four in the rear and then like aop other places like that i usually do like five or six so yeah. i usually keep them fairly low i've even gone down as low as t but like when you turn kind of get that front tire loaded up it starts folding over a little bit i do have gorilla tape on the inner bead so i'm never i've never burped an inner bead but you can tell it wants to start to try because it's folding over real bad at like three psi so like i'm absolutely terrible and i'll put like 10 psi in a tire and then forget about it until like i just have to remember because it's sitting on the rim yeah uh, but I think I'm averaging at like AOP. I shoot for around six on forties. I was just kind of curious because you're running them heavier sidewalls than what I'm running. Right, and they're they're broke in really well now, so they do flex a lot. But yeah, they work really well at lower psi. What kind of psi do you run, Graham? I noticed in a picture of your Jeep. <laughs> Those Maxuses were like completely flat. <laughs> I run them pretty low. It's like eight to start. That's like my starting uh, PSI, and then I know they they probably burp a little bit. But I got you. Um, I've always run them low. Those those Maxus tires do so much better if you just take all the air out. Though the issue yeah. is you slice sidewalls like crazy. But I haven't done I'm... had any issues with the the razors yet. Granted, I don't have too many runs on them but they grip. I'm going to stand the Maxxis tires a little bit, especially for being a DOT tire. The 37 traps and the 40 razors really do a decent amount of work in New England. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. I've heard a lot of people praise the, the razors. And that's think... the funny thing is, like, I guess for a while there, I don't think you can get them anymore. I think they're kind of all gone, but... For a while, they were like the only 40-inch 17 tire you could find. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is the New England aspect of it because, you know, you're comparing a tire that acts like almost the, uh, what is it, the creepy crawler. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like, the razors seem like a better creepy than they do anything else and there's still a uh, dot tire which to me is pretty cool uh, yeah I, th I think if i was gonna have to run a dot and a 40 it'd probably be a, a toss-up between the old trev grapplers or the razor i mean the maxis razors so I, I, did, I did run the 40 inch trail grapplers for a little bit i did like them a lot for a dot I've got 40s, and all four of my sidewells have a little K following the trail grappler. But, oh, really? Yes, but this is where it gets weird. They don't have the not-for-highway use on them, so I'm wondering if it's like a date code or something. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Uh, but they've been ridiculously willing to take abuse. They've, like caught the jeep falling on its side bent a rim to the point i can't use it and they're just like a-okay yeah. i think that but on the other hand graham's tires will hands down climb an obstacle easier than mine 
Is there any reason, though, that you're not, like, uh, as big of a fan of the Cooper 40s? Because I know that John and Casey run the shit out of them. Yeah, I actually, I ran a set of 40s. That's why I traded, traded them for the tires I have now, the 43s. I just, I only ran them on, like, two trips. So, I didn't have much experience with them, but they did well for what they were, so... Yeah, I mean, I would probably be another runner-up in a 40 DOT, I'd say. Interesting. I'm just curious because, like, you know. Yeah, no, I never, never had any issues out of whatever at all, and they, they worked well. But, like I said, I only ran them for, like, two trips before I traded for them. Now, why did you hop off of the Reds? So, well, let's go back to the question of uh, favorite tire and least favorite tire. Yep. So I've answered the favorite tire, right? So let's go to least favorite tire. Now you no. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, you're about to hurt not, me. Look, I'm going to get some hate for this, I know. And if it was a brand new set, I probably wouldn't be saying this, but these were, we're talking well used, cracked reds, right? They, yeah. they looked and like they were in the prime of their life. They were in the prime, according to everybody that runs reds, but not on a one ton heavy pig of a Cherokee. <laughs> so, now, whenever I was on any kind of rocks, I mean, hook, didn't spin a tire, like, traction was incredible on, on rocks. Dry rocks. But, because they were so bald in the mud, you just slipped and slide everywhere. But the thing I hated about them the most was I would put a hole in one of those freaking reds every trip. Sometimes two holes in two different tires. I swear, the sidewalls of those reds were probably had more busted knuckle cold vulcanizing compound than it did original sidewall. <laughs> Just because, I mean, I, I put freaking holes in them every time I went. And it, it was probably partially because, you know, they were on a little bit heavier rig. They were older. Now, brand new set, I'm, I'd probably lock them, but the sidewalls were just paper thin. All right. Like I said, that's just that's just my experience from the tires I've ran. I'm not gonna speak on anything I haven't ran. I mean, I'm I'm just surprised because everybody up here in New England adores those fucking reds, no matter what condition they're in. I know, man. That's what I'm saying. Probably gonna get some hate for it, but yeah. like I said, we're gonna it's see. Gospel up We've here. got the like. I don't know if they're the most clapped reds. They're probably not, but. I've got some pretty spanked reds that we're putting on the green buggy that I've been working on, and yeah. we'll we'll see how they do. I I know that at least one of them has just got it's gonna have some issues with the carcass peeling away from the 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 sidewall, and it's gonna it's gonna be leaking like crazy. I gotta patch one big hole in it already. So I just I'll just go ahead and tell you now, go ahead and call Bust a Knuckle and order some cold vulcanizing compound. <laughs> That's probably not a bad idea. I may have to go and do that when we're done here. Mm -hmm. Dude, I got a pro at putting that stuff on. Like y'all ever put any holes in the tires or send them to me? Like, <laughs> them no That's funny. Shoot. Reds being least favorite tire. I mean I guess it makes sense. How heavy do you think your rig is? And without the doors and stuff on it now, in the current stage, so I would say roughly 5,000 pounds or 5,200, probably somewhere in that. I haven't weighed it. I want to weigh it, but 
It's for one dungeon more than 52. Yeah, I'm I'm pressing X to doubt here. Um, you think so? I'd yeah, say dude. 55 at minimum. Yeah. Well, so, right, but he no. doesn't have the. Uh, I don't know. The only reason why I think that is because there's a there's a guy. His name is Jason Hale. He's got a tan Cherokee, one ton Cherokee, and he just weighed his. But he's got a cage and everything, basically identical to me. Raceline wheels, um, caged out. But he's still got all his doors on in the factory interior. Like I don't have any in the factory seats or anything like that. Like it's pretty much mine stripped down. Corbo seats. I mean, if y'all have ever felt factory seats, they're pretty heavy. Doors are pretty heavy. Yeah. All that stuff adds up. So, I don't know. We'll wait and see. Yeah, I'd definitely be curious because you've got some. Yeah, but, but oh well. What I was getting at was his only weighed fifty four hundred pounds. Fifty four. Wow. Okay. Mm. So before I came home without tools in it, um, and with subtracting my trailer weight. I was at 5,200 with a full tank of gas and in mine. So I have a hard time, like, with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I could be way off, but well, like I said, like, it was a, it was a very similar build at 5,400 with the doors on and everything else. And I'm, you know, pretty stripped down, but I'd be curious to see what it is. Yeah, your uh, four doors is almost 150, 200 pounds right there. Right, that's what I'm saying. You talk about a rear bench seat plus your factory front passenger and driver's seats. Stuff adds up. Yeah. I mean, you put me and Cody in my rig and a full set of spares with a set of spare drive shafts and you're <laughs> apping on that like 5,800 mark already. Yeah, I don't, care. I don't care any spare tires or tools or much. So. Shit, you put my fat ass in the passenger seat, you're pretty much at GVW Max at that point. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the rig's 52, roughly, 53, somewhere in there, depending on how much fuel's in it. Um, And then I'm putting myself at 2, and I'm putting Cody at 220. So like no, you're right generous, there. you're fucking generous. Add another forty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'm gonna put it at uh four fifty combined weight. Wait, hold on. Did we go to Chick Fil A before or after I'm being weighed? Uh, before. Okay, solid. Like we're talking solid two eighty then, because you know I put down some Chick Fil A. So now, now right. start counting again. <laughs> Whatever. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> But, you know, 5,200 plus 450 of passenger and driver weight, you're at 56.5, and then you add in just, like, the generic tools, including the ball joint press, because Colin can't keep a fucking ball joint in a rig. Um, and you're at, like, 58. That's not counting the spare tire. My uh, tire and rim combo is 140, so you add that in. And you add in tools, you're getting damn near close to 6k on a Cherokee. If I load mine down, it's easily 6. I think we've discussed that before. I should say. Yeah, and you got a four-door with more tube work than I have. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk about... I don't want to talk about that. Plus the <laughs> doubler and shit, it all... Like, like you said, it all adds up. 
I'm a lightweight. Maybe I just want to believe that it's lightweight, but we'll see. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> dude, you're on 43SX. Let's <laughs> not come back from that. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, if, if you believe it's lightweight, you can use a lighter duty trailer and truck. Exactly. <laughs> if you know it's fucking heavy, you gotta go heavy duty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 3,500 3, pounds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Stock Cherokee weight. Dude, that's crazy, though. We were talking about Chris's rig before the podcast. It's almost half the weight of mine loaded down with tools, and it's definitely half the weight of Graham's loaded down with tools and a spare. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Wow. I That's actually kind of surprising, honestly. I mean, like, I get it. Like, his is kind of stripped down, and it's still on, what is it, uh, JK axles? But, Jesus. JK gear sets in a stock set of axles, but... uh. Yeah, he's got some crazy, uh, you know, putting things together that shouldn't be together. Yeah, dude, I, 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 I love, I love that rig, man. I, I remember like rig, like drilling over the pirate forums when he was building that thing. <laughs> on, on pirate four four on the forums and stuff. Yep, yeah, it's a sick rig. It's pretty impressive to say the least, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I have another question because I've noticed you have run a bunch of different tires. Mm-hmm. If you don't keep yours or if you like ruin yours, are you going to go with another set or are you thinking going with like some, uh, USD stickies or what you got in mind? So I'm kind of like whatever opportunity presents itself kind of guy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really buy anything new. It's whatever comes available kind of secondhand. So I would definitely try those out. I don't know if I would run the Mickey, Baja SX's, Stickies, whatever. I don't know. They just look stupid wide to me. And then, um, but if I had to choose, it would definitely be the exact tire I have now, but in just the sticky version. Oh, so yours aren't stickies? No. Bias Plus. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I could definitely see you going with the sticky set then, honestly. That makes makes a lot of sense. Right. Just because I mean I love the tire. They're just they're tough as shit. They're hard to beat in the southeast for all around tire. Hell yeah! yeah you um, the time. Now, do you plan on coming up to New England, or do you have any sights on a new property that you want to go to anytime recently? Yeah. Or- so, I've always wanted to check out Field and Forest. That place just looks freaking awesome. It's it's a great time. It's nuts. Have, have y'all been? Yep. Yeah. So that place looks super cool. Um, and then that new trail at AOAA, that Mammoth Trail. Oh yeah, dude. That that looks like a damn good time there. Yeah. So and angry. it looks fun. I don't I don't know if yeah. my shit has any business on it, but. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine probably doesn't either but like i said that's how it goes <laughs> yeah we got 43s this is some big friggin boulders they've gotten that from what i understand yeah they are just seeing some videos and stuff of people around that trail just but that's like i don't know that's what's appealing to me trails like that not just because it's a man-made trail just because it's rocks like nothing but rocks yep so yeah, you oh, yeah. would definitely you would definitely like New England wheeling because I do notice that a lot of southern wheeling is like like clay hills and rocks that make the trail difficult. We're up here, no. kind of. Uh, I'd say a solid 
seven out of ten times it's mostly just rock that makes the trail tough. It goes to yeah, Cody once. Get a, uh, knows everything about uh, yeah. Southern Wheeling. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. Well, I didn't hear a word you said, to be honest with you. Oh, it's fun. Dude, that's like that. <laughs> um, I do think that one of the things that New England has that's definitely different is you're not fighting the mud as much. Um, like, you're having a bad day at Mobel, for example, and I'm not saying like this is New England wheeling, but right at the bottom of loading dock, if that is all flooded out and it's a sticky, sloppy mess, you're probably not making it, whereas that is the default down here. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's like AOP in the rain. You might as well just forget it. Dude, it's it gets wild. Uh, <laughs> Sam's buggy performed totally different going up one set of trails than it did going down a different set of trails when we got caught in the rain at the meet and beat. Yeah, I can believe it. It's no funny. So, you lose hero traction and suddenly it's, uh, everyone sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, I apologize because I went to the bathroom, but have they grilled you about the Web Wheelers Ball or Rocktoberfest yet? Nobody's mentioned it. So, you know, as a guest on the podcast, we're going to formally extend an invite to the Web Wheelers Ball at Roush Creek. That is starting, I believe, the it's Friday Labor Day weekend. or Labor Day weekend, and it runs all the way through Labor Day weekend. Okay. Um... So that's, okay. That's that's like a month from now. Work. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I think yeah. I'm already off work that weekend already. Yeah, if you want to make the haul, feel Dude, happy. I would love to. Time. I'd love to check out Roush Creek. That's another place I'd love to check out. I just Roush? heard it's like expensive to oh, wheel yeah. there. Roush it's, is it's expensive. Not, it's like a hundred bucks or something for the. I think it gets cheaper the more days you do, but it's like you go there and you're like, holy fuck, I'm paying this much to go off roading. And yeah. I can get like three, I can get like five days worth of wheeling at any other place, even in New England. Like most of the yeah. time, it's like 20 bucks, something like that. Um, so you have to you buy your membership the first day, and then you have to pay park admittance fees. And then after you bought the membership the next day, it's cheaper and it stays the price for the following days that you wheel as well. See, the way you make it hurt less is you buy the membership fee online. So that way it's like, you know, you, you didn't you didn't even spend the money that weekend. So it don't it doesn't like it doesn't count. That's what I did. And just, just break it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it hurts just a little bit less. I don't know. I prefer to spend all that and be like, what the fuck? Why is this so expensive? And then you, you wheel like you're gonna get your fucking money's worth out of the place yeah, every time. And every time it's been like that. Uh so I'm, yep. I'm okay. That's with a good that. way to win. Yeah, you, you, the more money you spend, the more you want out of it, and Rush Creek can definitely deliver. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And so we're going to be definitely getting a solid three days of wheeling in there. Uh, that's just like the default plan. We're planning to wheel Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and leave Monday. Yep. Okay. So at a minimum for that trip. We're going to try and hit the majority of the black and red trails at the park. Okay. Uh, what's the one? What's the trail that's like it's nothing but just like a rock field. Oh, rock fuck Creek. that trail. Rock <laughs> that's Creek. Rock Creek. It's cool. Rock Creek. It's uh, 
It's not really that challenging, to be honest. I made it. It's more with... annoying. Yeah, it is more <laughs> annoying. I I made it through with thirty sevens and super duties. Like it was dragging like, my diffs, but it wasn't difficult by any means. I blew a bead because my tiny tires got stuck in a weird spot. Right, so uh, like I know I know my Jeep can make it through, but the whole time would just be working it the whole fucking time, and it would suck. Yeah. Roush has fun though. Far it's it's more... cool for pictures. Cool pictures yeah. on that yeah. spot, yeah. for sure. Um, but like the trail, yellow jacket or shoot the moon offers far more for far less aggravation. Now, speak for yourself. I walked that trail, and then everybody else proceeded to not <laughs> run the line. <laughs> not even to make the, the trail, trail five hill climbs, dude. There's like six different just rock faces that have plenty for people to play on oh, right God, across yeah. it. I mean, it's a it's. It's probably one of my most favorite parks, and I haven't even wheeled it yet. So yeah, you just walked it. It's not counting the cemetery spur. Cemetery spur is oh, yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Rocktoberfest, we are putting on an event at Good Evening Ranch from ten thirteen through ten seventeen. Um, yeah, yeah so, that's, a, that's another part I'd love to check out. So I, I pretty much hit the majority of the ones here in the southeast. So if you look, if you followed me on Instagram or looked on Instagram, you see all the places I've wheeled this year. Like, yep. no, a you're on a lot. I, yeah. I commend uh, you for getting out as often as you do. That's a yeah. it's a huge commitment, and uh, for sure, I think there was one time earlier this year. I think we went like six weekends in a row, different parts. Yeah. Six times. Wow. That's, That's lot, awesome. Yeah. Well, it's it's awesome that you get the whole family. Oh yeah, yeah. They they go with me every almost every single time because my little girl she loves it, and we just go camping and still spend that family time together, but also hit the hard stuff. My wife's there to kind of tame me down when <laughs> when needed, you know. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. If it wasn't for her, the Jeep would probably be in a lot rougher shape than it is now. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I've—I've never flopped it. I've never rolled. Yeah, it I was gonna say that was my next thing. Is your Jeep still? I mean, it's other than that passenger side getting mutilated recently. Yeah. Uh, it's not really that dinged up, and I know you <laughs> wheel a shitload. So yeah. Yeah, it's That's not a, terrible. It, it seems to get a it gets a little dent here and a little dent there, like each and every trip. So it's slowly like starting yeah. to add up all the body damage. But yeah, that passenger side that was at the meet and beat at AOP on Trail seventy seven. I think there's a video of it somewhere. But yeah, I got I got basically got a tree hung right there in between my rock slider and my rear tire. It was just it wouldn't let go like it hooked me <laughs> so i was literally spinning 360s around this damn tree trying to get off of it like <laughs> slam it in reverse slam it and drive just stomping the gas spinning around this damn tree and it would not let go so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like uh when my uh, i had a where was this this was at um Cody, you were there. Brookridge. Brookridge. Yeah. I got I got turtled out, but my tires were still sort of touching the ground. It was just a really hard stick on whatever it was grabbing. Uh, the the rock I was on was it must have been somewhere in my cross member and it wouldn't let go. So I was doing what did I do? Like a 
um, more than 90. I did like a sweep from one side to the other, and then I would just like winch him, winch me out into the little trees, and I just made a new trail because it just wouldn't <laughs> let me go. Yeah. Same situation here. Yeah. But yeah, we try try to get out as often as possible. That's that's why it's so hard for me to have the jeep down and do upgrades and repairs and stuff because I've got it to do. the point now yeah. to where yeah got it to the point now to where I just want to go out and just use it. Yeah. You know that's a really nice feeling to have. Yeah. yeah it is. I've, but I've got I've got a little stock Cherokee I just bought. Well, it's got a three inch lift on it, but I'm gonna kind of build it up. Just keep stock axles, mild build where I can still drive it a little bit, so I can have a secondary rig just in case. You know that plan lasts about as long as the second Dana Thirty shaft. Yeah, I know, but it sounds good. <laughs> it sounds great in your head. Yep, but that's been my daily driver originally since the diesel fuel is outrageous. Hmm. So, what are you towing with at the moment? So I've got a 2011 Ford Super Duty Lariat four door four wheel drive on 35s. Is that um, early six seven? Yes, first year of the six seven, which I love. It's got tons of tons of torque, tons of power. It does really well. And then I've got a, yeah, they're 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 definitely a a well built diesel truck, but um and with with tons of power. Have you started to go down the dark path of looking at replacing the factory VGT with like an S three hundred? Yeah, it can it can get you know kind of go down that same path, but I've tried I've tried just to kind of keep it maintained. It's tuned and deleted, so that's pretty much it. But um, yeah, I try not to go down that path too much because it, it gets dangerous, just like the Jeep. But <laughs> oh, um, it does, um, yeah. especially because like you can put on a small housing sixty two with a minor tune. And that truck goes from, correct me if I'm wrong, but they left a factory at, what, 420, 895? Mm-hmm. Uh, you start yeah. tapping that, like, 520 range yeah. when you do that with the stock fuel system and no other mods. And, like, <laughs> man, that's that's dangerous. Yeah, that is. It is. But, yeah, that's the tow rig. And then I've got a 20-foot bumper pull just a car hauler trailer, but I mounted uh, a pop-up camper on the front half, and I still got room for the Jeep on the back half. That's sweet, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, How long is your trailer? Because I saw that, and I was I was wondering the length there yeah. to fit the Jeep and that on there. It's 20 foot with the, with the Dove, but the pop-up's kind of smaller. It's a 6 by 7 I believe, but it's okay. turned sideways. But I had to cut out the front cross member on the trailer and push it out towards the tongue of the trailer a little bit to get it all to fit evenly. But, like, I can unhook the trailer from the truck with the Jeep still on it. Like, it's the way it's distributed pretty evenly. That's pretty sweet. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I've noticed that on my truck, I don't know if it comes into play with yours, but I have a 12 F250 6.2. If I'm going for a long-distance trip, I end up loading it very tongue-heavy in order to make it so that it tows happy. And I'm just curious because, like, 
I would think that the camper would be lighter than the weight of the Jeep on the tongue. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it definitely is lighter, but I think because I cut out that cross member and pushed it forward, that way I can pull the Jeep. Like, I pull the Jeep all the way up to the front bumper, or my fairly bump my winch hits the pop-up camper. So it's as far as forward as that Jeep will go. And you really it, do I, have most of the weight in front of the axles still because right, the engine right. that's i mean if you i think the picture i'm looking at you don't have that cross member cut out but if you pushed yeah. it forward a little bit more yeah you could definitely get that whole front end over and then i wouldn't i wouldn't think you'd have a problem yeah and that's that's where it's at now originally i didn't have to cut it out but because the the back of the front tires of the jeep were almost touching the front trailer tires yeah so that's why i cut that crossing out pushed the camper a little bit farther forward so i can pull the jeep up a little bit more and it's almost like i said even even attributed so are you sitting down on the helpers when you're going to tow with it yet yeah like it's okay. it pretty much sits on the bump stops almost so but so, it, like it, it tows it no problem mm. So with my truck, like, if I want to get it to tow nice, I end up pulling it forward until I fully compress down onto the helper. And once mm -hmm. it's sitting on the helper, 75 all day, no complaints. Yeah, I mean, that's me. I, I'm running 80 everywhere I go, I think. Like, running 80 down the interstate, no problem. Oh, God, it's such a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I can't wait to go to Roush, uh... It's going to be a excellent trip, and to any of our listeners, you know, the invite is open. If we have to, we have plans made to split into separate groups, but to keep them close enough together due to the way that the park's set up. So, or you just know, do your own thing, because it's going to be chaos. It's definitely <laughs> going to be chaos. I can't tell you it's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of how the the meet and beat went there's just kind of groups yeah, that just, just kind of branched off everywhere yep mm -hmm. yeah. there's gonna be plenty um, of people knowing what what's what and where to go I think yeah i'm, I'm that, definitely gonna gonna try my best to get there that'd be that'll sick. be sweet mm -hmm. uh, and if you can't make roush it would be awesome to see to see you at good evening ranch wow i yep. wish i could english today yeah, I definitely, I definitely want to try to make at least one of them. I, I, I gotta go check out some of that wheeling. It's, it's gonna be different for you, dude. Uh, it's an excellent like change of pace, and the weirdest point to me is the fact that like Roush is almost easy mode traction. Oh yeah, if it's a dry day and it's gonna be, I don't know if it'll, I can't say for certain, but. Uh, you know, it's been a super dry summer. Everything we've gone yep. on has been just so Pure dry. Attraction. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be wild if it's as dry when we go out there. Yeah. So, so with how much you've wheeled down south, for the people who ha who don't live down south and are thinking of planning to travel down there, what's one place that you'd suggest to everybody that they should go and wheel? Well, I mean, we've already mentioned AOP, but. Um... Hawk Pride, I went and checked that out earlier this year. That's a really good park. Um, really good trails. The amenities there are really nice. Um, so I'd definitely say Hawk Pride in Alabama is a really good one to check out. Um, Wind Rock, of course, is a good park. But there's there's several in Alabama that we went to this year that I went to the, for the first time. But Hawk Pride, I'd say probably number one. Um, Chocolaco Mountain is a good one. 
the amenities aren't as, aren't the best, but um, Morris Mountain is a pretty good park close to Chocolock, and then Stony Lawson, we checked that out too. And the amenities there are really good, cabins, things like that. So, you guys, I'd say Alabama. Alabama is a good central spot that has like four or five really good parks, all fairly close to each other. Huh. You guys got cabins and all sorts of fancy stuff. I think Field and Forest is the only place that I know of that has any sort of amenities. We got nothing. Yeah. You got like you the gravel lot <laughs> and the trails. <laughs> and if you got a camp, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Hot Prize got some like really nice cabins. I really uh, like the cabins at AOP. Yeah. They, they put uh, even more up. Yep. We were the first uh group to actually rent them out ever. So that's oh, kind really? of entertaining. Yeah. Did that's you write cool. your name on the wall in Sharpie, Luke? Uh, I should have, but yeah, like, I, I feel know. like that would have. I feel like might have. Why didn't we put a blue collar off road sticker on the fucking thing? We yeah, really, you know, missed out. Set did it in you, stone. Speaking of that, <laughs> did you leave that one that we put on the RV on the RV, or did you scrape it off? No, I took it off, oh. dude. I'm not. You know, <laughs> I don't feel like paying them any more money than I already did. So <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> they wouldn't. Even oh, as a rented RV. Yeah. Yep, yeah, we picked up a rental, drove it down there, and on the way down, it definitely got a sticker slapped onto it. <laughs> got to represent. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Brandon, you got any questions for us? Um, I think, like, what I wanted to ask about y'all's rigs and things like that, but and the Northeast Wheeling. Um, one, I was curious for you, Luke, is how you ended up making it down here in this part of the country since aren't, aren't you from up there yeah i am yeah okay uh, so how'd that come about well it was kind of hinted at earlier with the uh airsoft and night vision stuff but uh I, I don't i don't fit in that well as far as the wheeling scene i loved it and that was probably what kept me up there as long as i was up there mm-hmm. but um you know, it gets old when you're paying, like, I just wrote my last tax check to Connecticut for 1200 bucks. So, you know, it was one of those things where I got a job offer in Cleveland. Um, it wasn't great, but it was better than staying in Connecticut and, like, so I just ended up coming down here, and coincidentally, it happened to be 40 minutes from where Trail Trash is. So mm-hmm. I had some friends before I basically got down here. Um, and he also had a robbery with a deadly weapon charge that he had to run away from Connecticut. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was the other reason to go down south. Cool, okay, yeah, no big deal. It's also not counting the uh, machine gun charge, but you know we don't mm-hmm. talk about that. <laughs> So, so you know, then how did how did all y'all end up meeting each other? Uh we wheeled together. This yeah, whole so. podcast started in like this little two bay or two long one bay wide garage. Yeah, so we've all of us know each other through the club that we're a part of. So in New England, mm-hmm. to actually you know go to any of the cool properties, you need to be part of a you know a club that's a part of the NEA, which is a whole association of clubs and then you get access to a bunch of private property 
where yeah, which is where you. all the cool wheeling is and you know that's how you get wind of the events and such it's if you're going to be in doing anything in new england off-roading related you you basically need to be in a club to be actually to actually get anywhere uh so yep. we sort of all met through that and i met it, you guys in the woods yeah you did uh, <laughs> at one of the events right um, Cody's one of the hobos that we just picked up. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, I was just, I just happened to be there, and you guys were hosting like a, a trail run that day, and I just kind of, we just started chatting, and you guys were like, you guys are halfway decent, you should come and hang out, and we we're like, okay, sounds good, and we did that. <laughs> yeah. So and then uh, your jeep spent like six months in my shop, and yeah, left a totally different animal. Yeah, it, it yeah, that's for sure. That is an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but really, I mean, it's all just been these are just, you know, off-roading friends and working on stuff and throwing ideas back and forth between each other, which, uh, like, like we touched on, is like kind of the basis of this podcast. Is it's just us doing, doing that in a more public, uh, medium. So. Yeah, yeah. and you know, originally this was like. Uh, kind of like a tech dump place for us and it kind of grew out of that we started talking to more and more people and i think our eyes really kind of got open to the scope of off-roading across the country because and it's just been a fun project as a result of that yeah, that's cool, people with cool rigs that's uh, like the biggest benefit right yeah. main, main, mainly badass xj's Yep, that's definitely yep. our specialty. <laughs> a lot of them, but I will say we've definitely had a few buggy people on. Um, yeah. We're going to have a cool JK person on, so that's going to be different. Oh, don't call him cool. Wait, I was fixing to say a cool and a JK person? Yeah, <laughs> don't make him feel better than he are, you know? That don't mix. It wasn't a he, it's a she. Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about naked and afraid. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> What's his first name again? Jake? No. Um, Sam. Sam. There we go. Sorry, Jake. Jake. <laughs> Good old Jake. Jake is Jake. <laughs> um, but we also might be having more JK people on. It, it appears to be a running theme going forwards that J- we're going to have JKs to are okay. Them. You just, uh, it depends, right? JK's then, a lot of uh, like characteristics of the people, but I think it's not always the case. I there's know a few of them that will hard. Yeah. There's one, oh. I, for, I forget her name, but it's a woman that drives like a lime green four-door JK. Yep. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Her, Dude, she wills the shit out of that thing. Yep. Yeah, we were talking with, uh, not to spoil. No, no, spoil- no, no spoilers. Uh-uh. Okay. You said if you say it, I'm gonna block it out. So like, <laughs> test me. <laughs> I'm not gonna test you because we have an episode with barely any editing. So I'm not gonna do that to you. I I kind of want to. I kind of want you to test them because I think it'd be funny. It would be quite funny, but not as funny as you work. No, you know what'd be ruthless is that because I I'm not recording right now, so you two assholes have the timestamp. So if you were to say it and not tell me the timestamp, then that means I would have to listen to every ounce of this ending bit just to (laughs) fucking find it. So please don't test me because that's gonna be a pain in the ass. (laughs) Cool. But on that note, 
I think I uh, just want to do the typical. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. If you can, you know, leave a like, review, rate, whatever, whatever listening platform you're on, whatever way you can give us a little bit of feedback. We appreciate that. Go check us out on Instagram. Go check out Ben on Instagram. Your name's Ben, right? And I just fucked that up. Brandon. Fuck. I fucked <laughs> up. His name's Ben now. Um, go check out Brandon on Instagram. I'm a piece of shit. And, uh, who wants well, to close it out? We, we can't forget uh, Ryan's gold star for giving us a review. Yep. Uh, Thank we'll, you, Ryan. If, if you write a review and then message someone, we'll give you a shout out. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we're not going to actually know who's writing the reviews. I don't even know where the reviews go, but uh, <laughs> Ryan was, was like, where's my gold star for writing the review? <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll give you a shout out here uh, if you write us a um, review. Also, before we go and close this out, Brandon, what is your Instagram? It is Broppin Brandon. Broppin right. with two A's. Sounds good. Go check him out. It's a really worthwhile page to follow. Uh, it's been an interesting build. I've been following it for like two years. So check out Brappin Brandon on Insta. Uh, is there anywhere else that we can find you? Yeah, so a lot of the stuff, same stuff I post on Instagram. If you don't do Instagram, you do Facebook. It's Brandon Carroll on Facebook. All right. That works for me. And on that note, um, oh, shoot, who's got the who's got our taggies? Our taggies I got here? it. Okay. Uh, don't test your editing guy because he has a temper. <laughs> and make sure that if you're going to run 43s, that you Aetna, Tennessee, cut them bad Larrys. <laughs>